So I was, I was in grade 11 in high school, and uh, we lived in Toronto then, my family and I, and I remember walking down Young Street one day with my friend Steve, and uh, we were talking and uh, going on our way, and we passed this music store that we often walk past, but this time there was a flying V in the window. And if you don't know what a flying V is, it's a guitar shaped like, you guessed it, a V. And uh, we thought it was pretty awesome. And Steve immediately started hatching this plot to buy the Flying V. And we started talking about how we were going to start a band and we were going to be rock stars. And uh, this was going to be great. So he was going to buy the Flying V when he saved up enough money. And I was going to scrape enough money together that I would get a bass guitar. And that would be the beginning of our band. All we needed was a drummer. And we knew a guy. So we thought, this is how it all starts. We're going to do this thing. And so he saved up, and when he was ready, he bought the guitar. I still didn't have enough money, but uh, in June of that year was my mom's birthday, and then my birthday was in July, and she got some money for her birthday in June, and she spent it to buy me a bass guitar for my birthday, which was pretty cool of her. And so I started practicing bass at home and getting together with Steve, and we'd jam at the church, and we'd we kept trying to learn as much as we could, and I'd find guys at school that play bass guitar and say, show me some things and, and show me a riff or show me a little trick, and I'd start and I'd practice and practice and practice. It did not happen like the after-school specials on TV. Like, I didn't instantly pick it up and, and you know, I'm, I'm immediately jamming. I could picture what I wanted it to be like. I, I could hear the sound in my head, but it takes a lot of practice and a lot of work to get good at bass. I don't know if I ever got there. Well, I know I didn't. But I, I got a little better, and, and we eventually ended up playing in church uh, for a Battle of the Bands thing, kind of a talent show kind of thing at the church. And, and you know, it was kind of nerve-wracking, and we played some mellow song. Steve didn't use his Flying V for that one for some reason. But, uh, but we, uh, we started learning and playing, and I can remember sitting in my first concert when we went to watch a you know a, a real band play and it was amazing and everything was so loud and so great and, and you're watching real professional musicians play and I was inspired I'm like that's great that's what it can sound like we got to keep practicing and I went home and I picked up my bass and I I, I, I practiced all that week because I, 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 maybe I can get better at this maybe I can get good maybe I can learn to really play this thing and make it sound like music and maybe we could do some stuff so we learned a couple of songs. We wrote a couple of songs. It was, it was easier to play songs we wrote because we could just put in the chords that we knew. <laughs> and we didn't have to learn extra chords and try to, try to bend our fingers. B minor. Man, that chord's hard. So we kept working at it. And, and we were kind of inspired when we, when we saw it done right. You, you kind of can walk home inspired and go, that makes you want to do it more. And I don't know if you've had that, maybe not with music, maybe with music, but maybe you've had that with something else. Maybe it was hockey, and the first time you went to a professional game, you're like, those guys are really good, and I can see what they're doing, and, and man, they skate hard, and man, they move fast, and, and I, gotta, I gotta up my game. I gotta get better at these skills. Or, or maybe it was, I don't know, art, or, or something that you saw that you thought, oh, if I could just paint like that, I could learn to do this. Maybe I, I do some doodles and sketches. Maybe I can get better at that. Or, or if you took a field trip at school and you went to a farm or a pottery studio and 
we talked about Jeremiah going down to the potter's house and and it, watching somebody do that's pretty amazing. I can remember the first time I watched somebody form a pot, and I thought, man, that's, that's something. I, I, I learned eventually you can do that with metal, too. It's called a lathe, and it spins, and, you know, you can... It's a little more forgiving, I think, on a lathe. It's, you know, you can get hurt a lot more if you're not careful, but uh, you... The soft pot, you, you really got to hold it just right and be gentle with it. And all those things, you might, you, you can watch somebody do it well. And if you see somebody skilled at it, you think, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I could do that? Wouldn't it be great if I could develop this skill? If I could learn to write or paint or, or, or skate or whatever it is, learn to play guitar that, or, or keyboard or, or other instruments, even the drums can look pretty amazing, right? Even the drums. I say that because my brother's a drummer. Um, but, but all of that... You know, those things that we watch, we can be inspired by them. And, and they can make us want to do the thing that we're watching. And that can be pretty amazing. Of course, every concert I went home from, I wasn't inspired. There are concerts I went to where I went, they are so talented, I will never be able to do that. And, and whether, whether that concert was because it was played differently or I was just in the wrong head frame when I went there, if it's that little voice in the back of our head that says... I'll never be that good. That makes us decide that instead of doing it, we'll just watch it. And so if it's hockey, you know, we decide I'm never going to skate that fast. I'm never going to be that good at puck handling. I'll just sit on my couch and eat Doritos and watch the game. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the game and I'll wear the jersey, but, I, but I'm never going to play hockey. I'll never be professional, so I just got to settle for that. Or, or I'll never play guitar like that. I'll just listen to music. And I'll, I'll, I'll like the albums and I'll know stuff about it, but I'll never get to play like that, so I should just give up now. And so everything can get like that. And I, I don't know why it is that we get that way, that as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, sometimes we're inspired by something to, to say, maybe I could do that and, and I'll, I'll push myself and I'll try to learn some new skills and and I'll try to do something amazing. And other times we see it and go, I'll never reach that goal. And I might as well quit now. And I'll just sit and watch. And, and I'll do something else instead. And so I can't be a professional athlete. I'll eat Doritos and watch the game. And I can't be an artist, so I'll just admire beautiful objects. Maybe I'll bring some home and I'll, I'll admire their artwork. And I'll buy it and support the arts. But I, I can't really do it for myself or... I'm not good at music, so I'll, I'll just listen, and I'll just settle in. So something, something similar was happening in Israel. And so as Jeremiah unpacks his message, um, and, and as he prophesies to the nation, lots of times God's given them these creative kind of illustrations for him to see something. And so God gives Jeremiah here another creative message, a living illustration that's designed to inspire his people to turn their hearts towards him. And so he tells Jeremiah to deliver an invite to the Rechabites. He says, this is the message the Lord gave Jeremiah when Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king of Judah. Go to the settlement where the families of the Rechabites live and invite them to the Lord's temple. Take them into one of the inner rooms and offer them some wine. Simple instructions. He says, listen, there's these people, the Rechabites, invite them over to the Lord's temple and, uh, you know, be a good host. 
welcome them in, offer them some wine, and, uh, you know, as their visitors there, and, uh, and see what happens next. Now, the Rechabites, they were new in town. So they were a group of people, they were a family of people that were like a traveling guild of metal workers. They worked with metal with their hands, and so it was like, if, if you had a, bent your javelin, they could straighten it out for you. If you had a problem with your chariot wheel, they were your guys. They could probably fix it. They were used to working with metal. And, and so they, they made these things, they fixed these things, and they'd go, and they, they apparently had picked up some habits from their ancestor and so they all lived in tents and they lived in tents so they could travel between towns and to the cities and and they park outside the town and live in their tents and people would bring them their stuff to fix or 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 to build something for them and so they would ply their wares they'd sell their skills and, and they they spent all their time working on metal and learning these things and if they're outside town in their tents you know there was a little mystery to it uh, and, and so they didn't want other people picking up these skills. They didn't want people fixing their own stuff, right? They wanted to be the ones that they went to when they needed these things fixed. So they didn't have any time to raise crops or cattle or any of those things. So they didn't own houses, and they didn't plant crops, and they didn't do any farming to provide for themselves. Their whole gig was, was fixing metal. And so they worked with metal, and they made their money, and they supported themselves in that way. And when they moved near a town, you know, they'd kind of either run out of things to fix or, or run out of ore to fix it with in that town, they could pack up shop and they could move on to the next place and help them out for a while and, and fix stuff and build stuff and, and make their money and live their lives. And so they went from place to place. They never settled in the same place. And, and then as they un- unfold it for Jeremiah, they go, hey, when, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar showed up, when, when Babylon came and they were dragging people off into into exile and some of the people of Israel were dragged away to a foreign land the people who are promising you know the young guys that had lots of lots of hope and, and were leaders in the community they dragged them off to Babylon to kind of recondition them and he says look when when things were getting ugly here and they'd taken over and they were occupying our land we got a little nervous and because we were scared, we moved to the capital city, to Jerusalem. We figured if any place was safe, if there was an, ar- an Israelite army mounting a defense, if there was a safe place, it was the capital city. So the Rechabites all packed up shop and, and folded up their tents, and they moved into Jerusalem. And you can just picture it in this big city where people did all kinds of different things, and, and people had all kinds of different ways they made a living, and, and everybody's living the city life And here comes this family of nomads living in tents. Not one of them owns a house. And none of them do anything but work with metal. They don't know how to plant a a crop. They don't know how to harvest a crop. Like every one of them lives exactly the same. And every one of them kind of runs their lives the same. And and they all do these things. And, And what's even weirder is they don't party. Like they don't like to drink wine. You offer them a wine and and they'll say, no, no, that's okay. And so they didn't fit in very well. They stood out. And so these Rechabites stood out. They were different. They lived in tents. And they didn't follow along with the crowd. 
And somehow they found it possible not to blend in and be like everybody else, not to feel the squeeze, to look at the world through the same lens everybody else did. They weren't spectators or consumers. They didn't buy the bill of goods that they have to be like everybody else in order to get by in life. They lived at the command of their ancestor, Jehonadab. He had inspired them, and so God sets them up as an example. And so when he calls Jeremiah to go do this, he's often called Jeremiah to do these symbolic acts like going down to the potter's house and, and those kind of things. And so now he sends Jeremiah, he says, go get them and all, find this tribe of weirdos and invite them into the temple and, you know, be a good host and welcome them and pour them some wine. And so Jeremiah does what he's told. He takes them into the, ho- into the room in the temple and he starts pouring wine. He goes, hey, here, here's a cup for you. And, and the guy goes, no, no thanks. Okay, well, what, what about you? You want some wine? No. No, 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 no. He can't give a wine away. So he's going, what's going on? God told me to offer him wine, and none of them want to drink wine. And that's the point in which God starts to explain to him. And so they lived by this command of their ancestor, Jehonadab. He'd inspired them, so God sets them up as an example, and he says... This is what the Lord, the God of heaven says. Go and say to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, come and learn a lesson about how to obey me. The Rechabites don't drink wine to this day because their ancestor Jehonadab told them not to. But I've spoken to you again and again, but you wouldn't listen. You notice he doesn't say he wants... He doesn't say, listen, you guys should be like the Rechabites. You should go live in a tent. You guys, you are messing up because you're living in houses. You should sell your house or tear it down. You should get yourself a tent, and you should go out into the middle of the desert and just live in the tent with the Rechabites. He doesn't say that. That's not what he's getting at. And he doesn't tell them that that they should never plant a crop again. What would happen if none of them planted crops, right? If there was nobody providing the food, what would happen next? If everybody in Israel said, yeah, let's go out in the desert, we're going to live in tents, and none of us, we're, we're going to learn how to work with metal like the Rechabites, and we're not going to plant any, any crops, we're not going to raise any cattle, we're not going to do anything to raise any food, we're just going to work with metal like them. It's not going to go very well, right? It's not going to last very long. And so God isn't saying that. He, he doesn't want them to do the things that the Rechabites do. He's not so concerned with whether they drink wine or not in this. What he's saying to them, what he's trying to get at is he says, listen, if you watch those guys, they're willing to do things differently. They don't need to do what everybody else is doing. They don't need to be like the crowd. These guys know how to let their freak flag fly and they walk into town and even though they don't act like anyone else, even though they're living in tents when nobody else is living in tents, even though they don't raise crops like almost all of us have to raise crops, even though they work with metal and they just do the same thing and and they don't vary in their jobs and all of that, even though they stand out like that and they don't even drink wine, even though they seem weird to everybody else, They're willing to live like that because they were inspired by their ancestor to follow his example and to heed his advice 
and to live by his commands. And that guy's just a dude. He's just an ancestor. He's dead now. But they were so inspired by him that what he told them to do, that's how they lived. And then God says to his people through Jeremiah, I've been trying to give you advice on how to live. Those guys follow their ancestors, and he's just a man, and I'm the God of heaven who created you in my image, and I know what real life is about, and I've tried to lead you into those things and tell you how to really know how to live. You got no interest. You're not listening. You don't listen. You don't obey. And they're listening to some guy that lived in their family tree, and you won't listen to me. And I've tried to get your attention, but you're not listening. And it can be hard to stand out from the crowd. It can be hard to be different. We live in a world that tries to squeeze us into its mold, that tries to make us think a certain way and live a certain way. And, and, and we feel the pressure of the community around us, and we feel the pressure of the place we live and the people we're among. And it can be hard to stand out. It can be hard to be different. We live in a world where if you get on Facebook or, or you get onto YouTube and you watch videos, there's an algorithm, right? You've heard this. And, and, and if they know that you're looking at certain videos, whether you're left-leaning or right-leaning or, or what your political views are, they feed you more of that stuff because that'll keep you engaged with them and, and you'll watch more videos and they'll make more money. And they don't care what you think. They just care that you keep watching. And so you fill your head with one way of looking at the world, whether it's this way or that way. And we let all kinds of other voices tell us how to think and tell us what we should do and how we should go about our business. We let other kinds of people squeeze us into their mold and, and make us fit with, with their agenda. We live in a world where we fight the same instinct to just be one of the crowd that Jeremiah's people faced. And God is still giving us the same message. If you listen for my voice, if you hear from me, if you're willing to be challenged and inspired by the scriptures, by the way that God communicates with us, if you do that, if you follow him, if you learn to dig into who he is and hear his voice above all others and say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care how they push me. I don't care whether they're my people or the other people. I want to think like God thinks and I want to look at the world the way he looks at it. And the crowd can make us spectators. It can make us consumers. But the word is calling us to live for Jesus. But it's easier to live, eat Doritos and sit on the couch than to play professional sports. And it's easier to just admire beautiful objects and maybe buy some and bring them home than it is to be an artist. And it's easier to just listen to music than it is to learn to play an instrument. And believe it or not, it's easier to go to church and listen to stories and, and buy some, some books and some music and, and maybe even go to a Bible study once in a while. It's easier to do that and put a fish sticker on your car or wear a cross around your neck than it is to be open to the voice of Jesus who speaks to us and challenges us and changes not just our mind but the way that we live.
it's easier to do that than, than to be a saint, to, to give our hearts to, to God and to follow him and to listen when he speaks and to do what he tells us to do and live life according to his pattern rather than the pattern of the world around us. And so God says to Jeremiah's listeners that the Rechabites are living proof that you can stand out against the crowd. You can be different than the people around you. And so they live in tents, they move around and never stay in the same place and they never plant crops and they practice metallurgy and they don't drink because of their ancestor, Jehonadab. And his point isn't so that we'll do that. His point is so that we will learn to hear his voice. Because it matters way more than what our, even our ancestors think. And in this world where we are confronted by every other voice, stories in the Bible are the thing that we anchor ourselves to. The scriptures are the thing that teach us how to live. And they aren't intended just to make us feel something. Like we don't come here so that we'll hear something that makes us feel a certain way. So that we'll go out and we'll feel, oh, that was really good. And I really enjoyed church today. They aren't supposed to make us feel something. They aren't even intended just to make us believe something. Although it starts there. They are intended to inspire us to live differently. To live differently than the people around us so that we stand out. And if we're willing to stand out and stand up for Jesus and be his people and say, God, whatever you want to change my mind on, whatever you want to challenge my behavior on, I'm listening for you and help me to notice when you want to make changes in my life so that I'm pointed in the right direction and I'm moving towards living better for you than I'm living right now. And so to follow the pattern of our God takes effort. And it means listening. And it means allowing him to challenge us and change us and inspire us to something better and not say, saints, those are people, people who really follow God and are all in like, God bless them, they're inspiring stories, but I'll just listen to those stories and I'll, I'll just admire those stories and I'll talk about how great that person or this person is or this great book I read with really nice ideas. I need to let that go and I need to follow Jesus for myself and say, if you got something you want me to do, or to not do. If you want to change something in me or change the way I look at things so that my behavior will change, then God, have at it. I want to hear you. And I want to listen to you. And I want to be obedient to your voice so that I get the abundant life that Jesus promised me so that I start to live in a pattern that looks like him and, and, and acts like him in a world that is pushing in every other direction but. And so Jeremiah is sent to speak to his people and to try to pull them towards being inspired. And so he holds up the Rechabites as an example, not because of what they do or what they don't do, but because they are willing to fight the current of their culture. Because the people of God are called to fight the current of their culture in a specific way, in a way that lines up with God and his purposes. And so are you and so am I. And it's not easy. And it doesn't come cheap. But it's possible. And so God tells Jeremiah to tell them because it is possible for them to live in a way that represents his kingdom. 
And so he calls them to that end. He says, look, follow me as I follow the Lord. Stand out like a sore thumb. Be willing to fight the current of your time. When there are a million voices clamoring for your attention, when there are pressures to live a certain way and to do things a certain way, don't cut any corners. Follow Jesus. Live for him and allow his voice to speak to you and, and, and allow him to change your mind on the things you think because the people of God in Jeremiah's day, they thought they had God all figured out and they were sure they were on God's side. And God had sent one guy to tell them the difference and they didn't want to hear what he had to say and they certainly weren't going to listen to him because everybody else was saying, we're good. It doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. It doesn't matter what our culture tells us. And it doesn't matter the messages that we get on YouTube. It matters whether God is happy with our living. And if we are not open to his voice, if we convince ourselves that's not really him, then we will miss what he holds for us and we will fall into the same trap that Jeremiah's listeners did. Believing they were on God's side when they weren't. But if we hear his voice and we listen to him and we try to obey him to the best of our ability, we will find our lives full and rich and free. And the great adventure of following Jesus wherever he wants to take you will lead you to what he called abundant life. Full, satisfying, incredible life. And there's no better thing you could spend your time on and there's no better way that you could live than that. And so he calls you and I to listen for his voice and not just to hear him and not just to believe him, but to obey him so that we find the life that he offers in his words and in his kingdom.